Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Brian Sparks. We're kicking off a brand new series with a brand new year called Address the Mess. Address the Mess. So if you have a Bible, turn to John. John 3 verse 17. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We'll have it up here on the screen for you. John 3, 17 says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. If you're taking notes today, you can title this message, The Best Mess Ever. The Best Mess Ever. Lord, I thank you right now for the Word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that every ear in here is open and receptive to hear your Word. Lord, they didn't come to hear a word from man, they've come to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to the hearts of your people in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You know, my wife uh, is an awesome wife. She, uh, she does a lot of different things. Uh, she, she always makes sure the kids are taken care of. And, and uh, she's, she's, she's kind of the glue that holds the whole family together. And uh, I think my kids love me, but I think they obviously love her a lot more, and that's good. But one, one thing that I love about her is, is she keeps an immaculate house, right? And all the men said, hey, even if your wife doesn't, dude, you better say amen, Okay. <laughs> Don't start the year off with her being mad at you. Come on. Say amen. Amen. There you go. So she but my wife keeps a really immaculate house. She's always decorating. Come on. It always looks beautiful. I appreciate that, right? I appreciate uh that she keeps it nice. She spends a lot of money, but she keeps it nice and it's decorated and and come on, it's decorated for every season. It's always got, you know, if it when uh it's Valentine's Day, when it's Christmas, there's always decorations out. And so I really appreciate that about my wife. And and she keeps everything. It's got its place. It's always in order. Yesterday, uh yesterday, I was I had a lazy day yesterday. Come on, Saturday's my day off. And so I just laid around in my PJs all day. And the whole time I'm laying around, she's doing laundry and she's cleaning and she's picking up and she's sweeping, she's mopping and she's doing all of this different stuff. And I appreciate that she keeps a clean house. But there's one area in our house that no matter how hard we try, always is a mess. And that's our garage. And everybody that has a messy garage said, amen. See, here's the thing is, I really believe that you can't trust somebody with a, a, a clean garage. I think serial killers keep clean garages, personally. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, here's the thing is, I just don't understand it. I, I, our garage, it doesn't matter how much we try. Come on, we always say, Crystal says this. She said, we are going to have a clean garage by July. I'm like, really? By July? Like, that's, that's, surely we can get something done, right? Surely we can get it cleaned out by July. But here's the thing, is that we all have an area in our lives that's a mess, right? The, the rest of your house might be in order, but there's one area of your house that's a mess. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, man, my garage is neat, my house is neat. I guarantee you, you got a drawer. 
right? There's a drawer that just collects all your junk. You've got something in your life. And I think that our lives are a lot like that. Our lives are a lot, are very similar to that because there's an area, maybe the rest of our lives is going pretty good. We're doing, you know, it looks neat, it's nice, it's organized. But there's one area where we go, man, that area is a mess. That area is junked out. That area, I don't know, I doesn't seem, it doesn't matter how hard I try or how much I work at it, it seems like I can't get that area straightened out. It's always a mess. And so what happens is, is instead of dealing with it, instead of addressing the mess, we get really good at concealing the mess. Because we don't want anybody to find out about what's in the garage. Because if they find out about the mess, how will they react to the mess? If my spouse found out about the mess, they might leave me. If my spouse or or if my my, uh, kids found out about the mess, they might reject me. If my friends find out about the mess, they won't want to hang out with me anymore. And we think, so this makes us shut down and we think, you know what? I'll just conceal the mess. I can't address the mess because if it comes out in public, what will happen? And I'll be rejected. And the truth is, is that we all get really good at hiding the mess. And here's what happens is a lot of us think that God is the same way. Come on, we put our best clothes on, we come into church, and we act like we've got it all together. we got a smile on our face, and everything is good, and everything's going well. And Because we, we think this, that if God ever found out, really knew about the mess, if he really could find out about the mess, he loves every part of me, but he doesn't love this area of my life. And here's what we think that God is going to reject us if he ever finds out really fully how messy we are. But here's what's amazing is John 3.17, if I could just word it for you a different way, it says this. It says, "But uh, uh, but, but God did not send his son into the world to condemn the mess or the messy people, but he came to rescue them from their mess. See, here's what's amazing is we think that God is going to reject us because of our mess, but it's actually our mess that brought God near. It's, it's the mess in our lives that God looked down at the mess and he said, you know what, these people are messed up, they're jacked up, they've got all of this stuff wrong in their lives, and he didn't reject us. He said this, he said, I'm going to send my son into the world, not to condemn them of their mess, but that, to rescue them from their mess. So can I tell you that if you're in this place and you think that God is going to reject you, that he's going to push you away if he ever hears or finds out about the mess, can I tell you this, that God doesn't reject you because of your mess, it actually brings God nearer to you. In fact, we see this over and over again in the Bible. The Bible says this, when Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so when we begin to read the Bible, we begin to understand that when we're reading about Jesus, we're actually seeing how God would react to a situation. And Jesus is saying that he's, one day he's teaching some people, and he's hanging out, and all of a sudden, some religious people drag a woman that was caught in a messy situation. Let me tell you how messy it was. It says this, that she was caught in the act of adultery. Now, here's the thing is, I don't know about you, but she is being drugged out in front of everybody. Now then, not only is her mess 
uh, is a few people finding out about her mess, but the whole town is finding out about her mess. How humiliating this must be, right? All of a sudden, her messy situation is being drugged out in front of everybody, and she's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and I think that she's having this thought, surely he's going to condemn me. Surely he's going to reject me. My mess is in front of everybody for the entire world to see. My mess has been strode out out in front of everybody. Surely he's going to condemn me. And Jesus does something that shocks everybody. Because he looks at a mess of a woman. And he says this, look at me. And as she looks up, he says this, I don't condemn you. What? Surely the mess will push you away. But it was the mess that arranged the meeting. See, because of her mess, she got brought to Jesus. And at the feet of Jesus, she didn't find condemnation. She found grace. Then we're reading and we see that Jesus is walking along one day. And as he's walking, he looks up in a tree and he sees Zacchaeus, who is a tax collector. Come on, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Some of y'all singing it, come on. Here's the thing, is Zacchaeus is up in a tree and Jesus walks by. Now, now he's, he's a tax collector, but the thing about tax collectors in that day is they weren't just tax collectors, what they were is thieves. See, they would, they would collect taxes uh, for, for, uh, like they were supposed to for the government, but then they would also steal. They would collect more than what they were supposed to so that they could pad their bank accounts. So t- t- he wasn't just a mess of a man. He, he hadn't just messed up his own life. He wasn't just stealing and, and, and made his own life bad. He made everybody that he came in contact with life bad. He spread his mess around. In fact, he did this so much that he was hated. He was despised. Nobody could stand him. And Jesus is walking along, and he looks up at a mess of a man, and we think that he's going to point his finger and say, you're a mess. What are you thinking? What are you doing? But he says this, come down to me. Today, I'm going to eat with you. I, I, I don't know about you, but this really baffles me. It really shocks me because I think that, that it should be the other way around because Jesus should look up at a mess and say, I, I don't know, you, you need to get your act together. But he looks up at the mess and says, come down to me. Today you're going, I'm going to eat with you. Then again we see Jesus sitting at a well. And he's not just sitting at a well at the normal time when people draw water, but he's sitting at a well in the heat of a day. And all of a sudden, we see the reason why he's sitting here. It's because a woman comes out to draw water. Now, there's a lot of customs here and a lot of things. The truth is, is that Jesus, being, being a Jewish man, isn't even supposed to talk to the Samaritan woman. And also, you're not really supposed to talk to a woman, but Jesus begins to talk to this woman. And he begins to talk to her about the mess. See, this, this woman had been married five times. Now, I don't know if you, you, you think this, but to me, five times is a lot in today's culture, right? 
You know somebody that's been married five times, that's, that's quite a few. I think that they would even agree they've been married a few times, right? But here's the thing is, is that she'd been married five times, and she was living with another guy. So she was working on her sixth. And Jesus looks at this woman, realizes the mess that she's made, realizes that she really is, has some issues. She's got some things in her life, and she looks at this woman who's made a mess of her life, and he says this, come close to me, and I'll quench the thirst you've been trying to quench your entire life. Come close to me. Then at the very, one of the very last exchanges that we ever see, between Jesus and a man who had so messed up his life, had made such a mess of his life that the courts decided that he couldn't, he wasn't even worth serving a prison sentence. In fact, the only thing that he was good for is to serve as an example to everybody else. So this man was condemned to die by crucifixion. And as he's hanging on the cross, he, we see an exchange between him and Jesus. And I, I, here it is. I mean, there, there is no worse mess than you are dying because of what you've done. There, that is a pretty messy situation. That's pretty messed up. And here Jesus could say anything he wanted, but he says this to a man who had messed up his life so bad that he was being crucified for it. He says to this man, today you'll be with me in paradise. Is that amazing to you that of all the things that he could say, of all the things that he could talk to him about, but he says this, because I love this, because Jesus doesn't uh, address, he, he doesn't talk about the mess, but what he offers everyone is what he offers every one of us today, and that's himself. He offers himself to every one of these. He says, come to me, look at me. Come on, follow me. He says this over and over and over again because he understands that he didn't come into this world to condemn the world of its mess, but to rescue them from their mess. Because the truth is, is every one of us is a mess. Every one of us have a mess. I don't know... If you're in this place and you think, I'm not a mess, I don't have a mess at all, you're more messed up than most of us. Right? Here's the thing is, some people are just really good at hiding the mess. They've gotten really good at hiding it. They've gotten really good at kind of putting it in the back where nobody knows. And, and, and here's the thing is, is that every one of us have a mess. Every one of us have issues. Every one of us have things in our lives that we need to deal with. You know, one of my favorite things to do as a pastor is I love sitting out in the hallway and greeting people as they come in. You get to just kind of talk to people, see their smiling face. I love doing it. And uh, anyways, as I'm shaking hands, usually if, if it's not too crazy busy, I get to ask people, hey, how are you doing? And, you know, um, everybody's programmed response with, hey, how are you doing is I'm good, right? It doesn't matter. You could be broke. Come on, you, your dog died. Uh, you, you're sick as a dog, and you're gonna, your response is going to be, I'm good, right? Because that's just whatever. And, and sometimes I'll ask somebody as they're walking in, hey, how are you doing? And they say, I'm good, and you know that they're not good. 
Like they've got some things going on in their life. Come on, have you ever walked into a room like you go over to somebody's house for dinner and you walk into the house and you realize they have just been fighting? Because it is, you can feel the tension, come on, in the room. They're not good. They might have a smile on their face, but they're not good. Something just went down and it was bad. Sometimes you can feel that as they, they walk in. And I, I love, one day I was greeting people as they were coming in. And one of the members of our, our church uh, walked in. And uh, as she was walking up, I shook her hand and I said, hey, how are you doing? And I noticed that her entire family was about 200 yards behind her. And they kind of look a little scared, right? And I, I shake this woman's hand, and I said, hey, how are you doing? And she said, pastor, you better preach something good today. If you don't, I'm going to kill them all. And I think they believed her. I really do think they believed her. And she looked like she could do it. But, but here's the thing is, is that I love that response. Because she's sitting there going, listen, I know I'm a mess. I know I got issues. I know I got anger problems. I know I got things in my life. But what she was saying in that moment is the, the very mess in my life that got, brought God near to me is the same mess that brings us all here today. It's this, the fact is, is that we are not a perfect church. And so if you came to this church thinking, well, I'm just looking for the perfect pastors and the perfect people and the perfect circumstance and the perfect situation, you have come to the wrong church because I'm telling you right now, the person sitting next to you has a mess in their life. But if you came into this place saying, man, I'm messed up, man, I'm broke down, man, I've got issues, man, I've got things in my life, then you're in the perfect place because we're all a mess. Some of us just just get really good at hiding it, but the truth is, is that we're all a mess. We all have things. We all have issues. We all, and just like that lady, you better, you better, you better preach something good or I'm going to kill them all. Just like that lady, some of us need to come in and say, you know what? I've got a mess in my life. I know about the mess, but it's the mess that brought me here. Because of the church RC, we believe it's okay not to be okay. It really is. Okay. Not to be okay. Because we're all a mess. We're all crazy. We're just different levels of crazy. We're a mess. I have people that think when I find out about their mess that I'm going to kick them out of church. And I'm like, no, you're at the perfect place. Because other churches rejected them. But here's the thing is, is that I know the way that Jesus responds is the way that we all should respond when we hear about a mess. It's okay not to be okay. But here's what's awesome is, you don't have to stay that way. Because there is a solution to your mess. There is a fix. There is a solution. In John verse eight, or chapter 8, verse 12, it says this, Then Jesus spoke again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Have you ever been in a dark situation? And when I say that, I mean literally. Like you've been in a dark place without a light. 
I, I, I'm not one that's scared of the dark at all. Uh, my wife, on the other hand, she does not like dark at all. But I, I'm just not afraid of the dark. And one time we were going, uh, we went on a youth trip, and we went to Enchanted Rock, just outside of Fredericksburg, Texas, and we were living in San Angelo at the time. And and uh, so I was going on this camping trip. It's going to be awesome. It's amazing. And and of course, we uh, we decided that we're going to go up, up and kind of explore. And when we get there, we find out that they have caves all over this rock. This massive rock, they have these caves. And so uh, we decide that we're going to go into these caves and explore them. But, but here's the thing is that I hadn't prepared to go into go cave diving, right? I prepared to go hiking, but not go into caves. And so as we began to get into to these caves, as I walked, is, I was good at first. Everything was good. But then the, the farther we got in, the darker it got. And then I realized that I am in a very dark place underneath the earth. I don't have a flashlight. I don't have a way to see anything. Come on, we didn't have phones. I know we did have running water, but we didn't have phones in those days. So I didn't have a way to see. And when you get in a dark place underneath the earth, you begin to think, freak yourself out. You're thinking, man, am I about to put my hands on some spiders? Come on, you're thinking all of these different things are running through your head. And so what I did was that I found my youth pastor who had brought a flashlight. I saw him, he had his light, and he's shining it as we're walking into these caves and as we're crawling through it. And when I found him, I didn't ask him to come to me. I ran to him. And when I got to the light, I grabbed a hold of his shoulder, and I followed him everywhere he went. I didn't say, hey, go my way, do this, do that. No, I grabbed a hold of him, and when he stepped I stepped. When he moved, I moved. If he went right, I went right. If he went left, I went left. And it didn't matter. Wherever the light went is where I went. And here's the deal is that I think that our relationship with God is a lot that way. See, he is the solution. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light in your darkness. But here's the thing is that we like to treat God like he's AAA. See, we like to say this. We like to say, God, you come to me. See, uh, how many of you have AAA in this place? I, I have AAA, and we had a, we had a, um, a horrible car. Um, and if you've ever gotten a lemon of a car, you really appreciate AAA. Uh, and and this, this particular car, it, it seemed like every time we turned around, it was breaking down. And so we kind of got on a first-name basis with the AAA people, right? It was like, hey, yeah, Acura's broke down again. Would you come pick us up? And so what happens is, is that they show up, they fix the problem, and then they leave. They let you do whatever you want to do. And I think that a lot of us like to treat God that way. See, we like to call him and say, God, I'm in a mess. I've made a mess of this. I've messed up on, this, on my life. I messed up in this situation. And we like to call him and say, hey, would you show up and fix it? And we want him to show up in our lives, and we want him to fix the mess and then leave us alone. But God doesn't want that. See, God wants you to begin to follow him. God wants you to begin to listen to him. God wants you to begin to do what he says. He wants to be the light in your dark situation, but he wants you to begin to listen to what he's saying. See, a lot of us are trying to pray our way out of a situation we behaved ourselves into. And while I believe in miracles, and I believe that God can show up in a moment, I do believe in all of that stuff, I also know this that sometimes God wants you to follow your way out.
He wants you to begin to make a a, a decision that, God, today I'm going to build on you. Today I'm going to follow you. In 2017, I really want this to be my greatest year yet. And, And so I'm making a decision not just to say that I'm a Christ follower, but I'm actually going to become a Christ follower. Matthew 7, 24 says this. Jesus is saying, he says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Church, do you want 2017 to be awesome? You want it to be amazing? Jesus says this, Whoever hears these sayings of mine, and actually does them. I will liken him to somebody who built a house on the rock. See, some of us know the solution, but we're not building. You know, the thing about building is, is it's a step-by-step process. Come on, we're in the middle of trying to build a church. And one thing that I've learned is it, it, I have people come up to me and go, why isn't it done yet? I'm like, you don't understand how long this takes. Because one step leads to another step. And then you got to do that step, and then you, then you do another one. And then it's one step after the other, after the other. So Jesus says this, whoever hears my sayings and does them, I will liken him as to somebody who's building. See, here's the thing, is that when you make a decision to build on what Jesus says and do what Jesus says to do, then what you're doing is you're building. You're doing a step-by-step process. God is saying this. See, here's, here, here is what it is, is that we think that we need, God is wanting us to move from A to Z. But what God is actually wanting us to do is just to move from A to B. He's wanting you to take a step. He's wanting you to move one step. See, he's not asking you to leap the whole distance. He's just saying, can you take a step? Do you really want 2017 to be a better year? Can you take a step? Would you stop treating me like I'm triple A and just take a step? Make a decision today to start building on the rock. The question today, church, is what's your step? We have people here from in all different Areas We have people that are all, in all different uh, walks of life and all different things. And the question remains is, what's your step? For some of you, it's, my next step is, I want to do 21 days of prayer. For some of you, it's, I need to join a community group. For some of you, my next step is, I need to make church a priority in 2017. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Some of you, it's a daily devotional. For some of you, it's, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm tired of trying to run it on my own. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at thechurchrc.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at thechurchrc. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, you can email us at amen at 
thechurchrc.com.